0: would you turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 3 Joshua chapter 3 the third chapter of Joshua we read the first five verses may we pray before we read the Word of God our Father we thank thee for this time to be in the house of the Lord We pray for God's power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on each heart and in our own life. We pray that we'll hear beyond the words of the preacher, that the Lord will speak to our hearts, cleanse us from sin, and at this holy moment, may Thy Spirit do His office work of conviction drawing men to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. And Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shechem and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you Moses the servant of God was dead Moses that mighty marvel of the Lord who had been used of God to lead the children of Israel from bondage to freedom out of the land of Egypt toward Canaan The Bible says it is 11 days journey from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea by the way of the sea but those 11 days turned into 40 long years of wilderness wandering because there was faith failure in the camp. You remember the story when they came to Kadesh Barnea God had told the children of Israel to go in and possess that land it was a land flowing with milk and honey It was God's pleasant land. It was God's holy land. And they could have had that land because the battle belonged to the Lord. It was not theirs to battle, it was God's battle. When they came to that place, they decided to send in some spies to sort of spy out the land and see what it was like. They chose twelve men. Ten came back and said, we cannot possess this land, it is filled with giants. Certainly, there's a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's a land of giants and we are but grasshoppers before those giants We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. And so They decided to bear those Slings and arrows that they had Rather than to fly to others that they knew not of as Shakespeare put it There were two that came back their names Joshua and Caleb who said we're well able to do it because God will fight the battle for us certainly there are giants and certainly it's a strong land and it's a a fort hill of the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites and all of those others but they said if God be for us who can be against us we can do it but they listened to the majority report and they decided not to do it at one time they decided they were going to kill Moses because Moses was on the side of the two that said we can do it but God overruled that and instead of killing Moses and instead of going in and possessing the land God consigned that whole generation to wandering in the wilderness And when they turned from Kadesh Barnea, from what could have been victory in Jesus, they wandered aimlessly in that desert for 40 years. And it was during that time that God fed them with manna from heaven. And God took care of them, but their faith failure showed all the way through. Now 40 years have gone by. Miriam has died in the wilderness. Aaron has died in the wilderness. And God has led Moses up to the mountains of Nebo. He says, you look over, I'll show you the land of promise. But Moses, you cannot go in there. You disobeyed me. For Moses, at one point, became upset with the people. And when they came to that rock from which they were to draw water, God just said, smite the rock. And Moses was so angry he smote it twice. And thus the picture, the antitype, the foretype, the prototype of the smitten Christ, who is the salvation of all of us, was broken. And God said, "Moses, you cannot go into the land of promise." And so Moses looked over from Nebo and saw the land. Oh, how he had prayed, God, let me go into that land. But God said, not yet. It was years and years and years later when the Lord of glory was here on the Mount of Transfiguration that Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus in that land of promise. But back to the story Moses died in the mountains of Nebo and God raised up Joshua To be his servant to be a special instrument and Joshua led the people down to the Jordan River And he had a great convocation and they yielded themselves more faithfully to the Lord than ever before and They crossed on dry land now just before they were to go up and conquer The land Jericho and Ai and the other places God said Joshua I'm going to bless this people I'm going to honor you before the people and Joshua I want you to say something very important to the people and so we have those words in verse 5 chapter 3 verse 5 Joshua said Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Set yourselves apart from yesterday's mistakes, yesterday's tragedies, yesterday's failures, yesterday's lack of faith. Set yourself apart from it. Sanctify yourself. The word sanctify means to set apart, to separate. And he is saying separate yourself from all of those past failures. And look toward the future for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and Joshua gave that challenge to the people and the people's heart were all as one and the men who were the leaders surrounded Joshua and said if any of you try to treat Joshua like you treated Moses if anyone has in his heart any kind of mutiny or a determination that you're going to hurt God's servant you'll have to hurt us first and they surrounded him like a bodyguard and the people's hearts were fixed upon Joshua and Joshua was enabled to lead the people across the Jordan up around Jericho and throughout the land of Canaan until that land became the possession of God's people but they listened to the message of God. Sanctify yourselves, set yourselves apart for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He was saying in effect, set yourself apart from your past sins, your murmurings, your doubts, your faithlessness, your impurity, your Sabbath breaking, your idolatry. Set yourselves apart from all of this For tomorrow the Lord wants to do wonders among you. Set yourselves apart from your mistakes of the past. And oh how we need to do that. Paul said one day, forgetting the things that are past I press on. How often we need to set ourselves apart from the past tragedies of our lives. Our faith failure. The sins of our past life. The grudges we have held. Those little petty pet sins that have dug themselves into our lives and have threatened to to take out the very spiritual lifeblood of our system we need to set ourselves apart from all of these just like the Israelites did you know one of the sad things about sin not only does sin hurt us and hurt other people I heard her influence, heard her testimony. But sin digs its way so much into our lives that it leaves that awful feeling of guilt. And even after we have repented of sin, sometimes that guilt remains because we refuse to forgive ourselves. And God says through Joshua, "Sanctify yourselves from all of those past things." even the memories of your failures. Set yourself apart from them. Be gone. Do away with it so that it does not bore itself into your life and into your mind and haunt you and stay with you and hurt you so you cannot go on with God. A lot of times God's people in the scripture have not been able to do what they could have done because of the memory of sin and I believe this scripture is saying sanctify yourself set yourself apart from that set yourself apart from those past failures set yourself apart from those past mistakes I read the story of a man who was really somebody he had been something for God and then a terrible weakness came into his life and he fouled the ball he fumbled he had to sit on the bench those people that had been once close to him would have nothing to do with him they would hardly speak to him they would not let him forget about his past and that stumbling that he made but he had one friend Who refused to let that person go down in defeat and that friend would come to him time and time again and encourage him strengthen him pray with him lift him close to God love him and just encourage him there came a day in that same fellowship when one of the leaders who had scandalized the one who had made the mistake that leaders son messed up also his life was all miserable and folks would have nothing to do with him but that friend to the other person went to the other leader and said I care about your son and we're not going to give up on him we're gonna pray for him and encourage him and that father could hardly believe it you see that father had been one who had scandalized the other one who had been taken in a mistake and that father reached out in gratitude said would you help my son and that son was lifted back into a place of service and through that act the other one who had fumbled the ball began to take a new outlook at things and people began to look at him a little differently and finally he was restored but there was a problem in the man's life he could not forgive himself he held those weaknesses and those mistakes And those sins against himself and he almost went out of his mind because of the tragedy of the sense of guilt that was in his heart I believe in this scripture the Lord is saying Joshua you say to the people of God set yourselves apart from your past tragedies from your past failures from your past faith failures from your past sins Because tomorrow the Lord wants to do wonders among you and I want to say to you today There's a land of beginning again In the economy of the Lord There is nobody who goes so far away from God But if God puts that thing in his heart to come back He can come back and God can use him and he can go on with God Now that's what this scripture is saying Israel, Israel You messed up on what God told you to do and you went through periods where you wanted to kill the servant of God Moses And you refused to go into the land of Canaan and possess it. You had faith failure But Israel, I'm not going to hold that against you set yourself apart from that set yourself apart from that and get going for God again and if you read the rest of Joshua and Judges And the Kings and Samuel and Chronicles and all the rest of the Old and the New Testament you find that God kept his promise and the people of Israel could do a mighty work for God and from that nation there came the one who was to bless the entire world the Lord Jesus Christ set yourselves apart for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. But I think he was also saying, don't gloat over the past. Set yourself apart from the victories of the past also. Somebody said, one way you can tell someone's growing old is they talk about the past all the time. Well, I guess there's really nothing wrong with talking about the past as long as we don't forget that we have a glorious future. And he was saying, don't remember all those victories you've had in the past. Oh, I don't mean don't remember them, but don't gloat over them. You see, every time Israel had a chance, they would talk about their deliverance from Egypt. They'd say, boy, God did a marvelous thing, wonderful thing, look, way back there, years ago, look what God did. He delivered us from the bondage of Egypt, and they never got over it. Thank God they never got over it, but all they did was look back. And God said, I want you to not look back all the time. I want you to look forward. God has something wonderful for you to do in the future. Henrik Isman, in a letter to George Brand, said, I hold that man is in the right who is most closely in league with the future. Klein Staples Lewis said, the future is is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes an hour, whatever he does, whoever he is, wherever he goes. And Mrs. Charles Lindbergh said, the way of the future is coming and there is no fighting it. And Rainier Marie said, the future enters into us in order to transform itself in us long before it happens. And Shakespeare said, there is a divinity that shapes our ends. Rough, hew them how you will. And Alfred Lord Tennyson, who lived from 1809 to 1892, said a marvelous thing that we ought never to forget. He said... For I dipped into the future, far as human eye could see, saw the vision of the world and all the wonder that would be, saw the heavens filled with commerce, argosies of magic sails, pilots of the purple twilight dropping down with costly bales, heard the heavens fill with shouting, and there rained a ghastly dew from the nation's airy navies grappling in the central blue, Far along the worldwide whisper of the south wind rushing warm with the standards of the peoples plunging through the thunderstorm till the war drum throbbed no longer and the battle flags were furled in the parliament of men, the federation of the world. There the common sense of most shall hold a fretful realm in all and the kindly earth shall slumber, lapped in universal law. What was Tennyson saying? He who died in 1892, the same year Charles Spurgeon died, said, I look down the future and I see all the wars and all the agony and all the misery. But I'm going to look beyond that and I'm going to see a day, a day, a day out there where God will rule. Behind him lay the gray Azores, behind the gates of Hercules. Before him not the ghost of shores, before him only shoreless seas. The good mate said, now must we pray, for lo, the very stars are gone. Brave admiral, speak, what shall I say? He said, sail on, sail on and on. My men grow mutinous day by day. My men grow costly, wan and weak. The stout mate thought of home. A spray of salt wave dashed his swarthy cheek. What shall I say, brave admiral say, if we sight naught but seas at dawn? Why you shall say at break of day, sail on, sail on and on. They sailed and sailed as winds might blow until at last the blanched mate said, Why now not even God would know should I and all my men fall dead. These very winds forget their way for God from these dread seas is gone. Now speak, brave admiral, speak and say, He said, sail on, sail on. They sailed, they sailed. Then spoke the mate, this mad sea shows its teeth tonight. He curls his lips. He lies in wait with lifted teeth as if to bite. Brave admiral, say but one good word. What shall we do when hope is gone? The words leapt like a leaping sword. Sail on, sail on and on. And then pale and worn, he kept his deck and peered through darkness of all dark nights. And then a speck, a light, a light. It grew a starlit flag unfurled. It grew to be time's burst of dawn. He gained the world, and he gave the world its grandest lesson on, sail on. Joaquin Miller wrote those words about Columbus when Columbus sanctified himself, turned away from the glories of Europe, and set his sail toward a new land, and he sailed on and on. God said, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord wants to do wonders among you. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that message is appropriate for Glendale Baptist Church. Let us set ourselves apart from the past failures, the past sins, those things that would drag us down in a whirlpool of uselessness. Let's lift ourselves past those things and look to God and listen to his message. And then let's set ourselves apart from the past glories. There are a lot of things we could sit around here and talk about. As we, this summer, observe the 32nd anniversary of the founding of this church, look forward to the 33rd year, we can look back and talk about those 19 people that met on a hot summer in 1955 and laid the foundation for the work that is the Glendale Baptist Church. We could talk about their sacrifice and their commitment. We could talk about that lady that one day came and offered $25,000. When she saw we were in in serious, we were serious about building when we had nothing. We can talk about a lot of victories. But I believe God would say, turn away from those things. Thank God for the past. Don't forget it. Remember it and thank God for it. But let's sanctify ourselves for the things of the future. Let's look forward to what God wants to do with this church, with this people in the days ahead. There was a day when one of our deacons named E.L. Holmes in a meeting said we look forward, I look forward to the day when this church will have young people surrender to the mission fields and Glendale Baptist Church can support them on the mission fields. That's a vision that in part has come to fruition. There have been young people go out of this church to the mission fields of the world and to the pulpits of the world We have not financially supported them as we should, but we've made some investment in their lives and some financial investment. But the best is yet to be the glories of the future, the things that God wants to do with you as a people, lifting up the story and the message of Jesus Christ. Those who are in Texas representing us today are fulfillments of these dreams, a mission team Going into another part of our nation to tell about Jesus Those who are serving as missionaries in other parts of the world are a partial fulfillment of that dream Those who stand Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to preach the marvelous Word of God Who one day walked down this aisle and said God's called me into his service? Thank God But let's not look back Let's look forward Let's sanctify ourselves for tomorrow, tomorrow, 1988, 1989, 1990, and on into the 21st century. If the Lord tarries, God has a marvelous work for this church to accomplish. Let's get in on it. Let's say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, where do I fit into this picture? Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Let's lift the Savior up. Let's exalt Jesus. First of all, by personal holiness, by a life that lives in a glass house, so that as others look at us, we can be a picture of somebody pointing people to Jesus. They say about George Truett in those 50 years he served the First Baptist Church in Dallas. They say that George Truett preached with a broken heart. He preached with pathos and compassion. One day while he was in the hospital during his last illness, a nurse came in the door and they saw Mr. Truett at the window, looking out of the hospital window over Dallas, and he had his hands up like this, and he said, oh, Dallas, old oh, Dallas, old oh, Dallas. Oh, Dallas, would you not come to Jesus? And that was the heart cry of his scream. Oh, Bowling Green, oh, Warren County, oh, America, oh, world, would you not come to Jesus? And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's the message God has given us. That's the challenge God has given us. That's the mission that God has given us. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ dead be reconciled with God. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. And the terrible plight of that sin, the wages of sin is death in hell, forever separated from God, but the gift of God. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and if we will lift Jesus up that one whose hands were pierced whose feet were pierced whose sword whose side was pierced with a sword and while he was hanging between earth and heaven he looked at the face of God he said father forgive them for they know not what they do and God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life That's the message. And if anybody over here will hear you, over here will hear you, in here and over here, and those for radio and the whole world, if anyone will hear that message and will believe upon Christ and repent of sin, he can be saved. And that's the message God has for Glendale Baptist Church, to move forward, to go on with God, to build, to expand, to do what God wants this church to do. Thank God for other churches that are doing a great work for God. But the Lord wants this church to be a beacon for the Savior in this dark and perverse world. Not only in this city, but across our nation. We need signs pointing to the church. It's hard to find this place. Somebody told me the other day they took 30 minutes to find Glendale Baptist Church. Another man that came and visited us said, it took me an hour to find the church. We need more signs out there. We need to go forward in the expansion program that God has placed on our heart. We need to go on with the renovation of this building. We need to add additional staff in various ministries in this church. We need to go forward with a great launch of faith. We need to develop the royal ranch. We need to start other mission points in the city. And all through it all, never lose the sight that Christ is the answer looking for a problem Christ is the solution looking for a troubled heart and if we will just lift him up others will come to him may we pray every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment our Father we thank thee for this challenge from the book of Joshua We pray that indeed we shall hold the Savior up, set ourselves apart from the past with its failures and and its victories, and may we look forward to what God would have accomplished at this place. Give us the refreshment of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Take away tiredness. Take away whole humness. And in its place, give us the anointing of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Will you stand please? Number 252 is our hymn, Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. I want to ask you to please not leave, but remain through this invitation. God has something to say to every heart. If you are here First of all, and you have not been saved, you do not know Jesus as your Savior, the invitation is for you to come to Christ, just as you are, just come, just come running to him. Jesus will never cast anybody out who turns to God. If you want Christ in your life, he's available for you today. Now there's some of you who have been saved, but you have not made it public. You have not been baptized. It is my responsibility to say to you, with all the respect and love that I can have, you live in disobedience to the Savior. When you trust Him as Savior, but you do not follow Him in baptism, so I want to encourage you to do that. And then there may be some other way God has spoken to someone here today, and you need to step out for the Lord in a recommitment of your life, or. Sort of a renovation on the inside and say, Lord, I want you to have your way with me. While we sing and while we pray, who would step out first for the king? Will you do it for Jesus' sake?